The following episode is one of 10 sample programs podcast as a public service of FocusedPassion.com. Get an even higher education, including courses in personal empowerment and self-mastery at FocusedPassion.com. Remember the E-D, that's FocusedPassion.com. Welcome to another episode of our personal empowerment audio program, Finding Yourself in Paradise. Hi, I'm Michael Benner. And I'm Steve Snyder. And our program today is entitled, The Qualities of Love. Now, love, of course, is a topic we've touched on in many, many of our shows. But this is about the many different aspects of love, the many different expressions of love. But Whatever kind of love you're talking about, be it romantic love or family love or love of a pet or love of a project, all love flows through your own love for you is the place I think we need to start. Yeah, if we're going to discuss the qualities of love, in other words, the many, many different ways that love can express itself or manifest in the world, we have to begin with a real clear understanding that all love that you feel is your love. You don't feel other people's love or an animal's love. You say, we all do, oh, I love this dog of mine or this little kitty I just love so much. And people will talk about experiencing that love in return as if, well, as if love is some sort of commodity or form that we could hand back and forth, that you could actually give or receive love. In fact, it's more of a magnetic field that each of us experiences, and there is certainly some sharing and some reflection in love But each of us must initiate and be responsible for the love in our lives. The the love you feel is the love that's inside you. You can't feel other people's feelings. You, You can only feel your own feelings. When you feel loved by your spouse or your child or your pet, what you're feeling is your love for yourself vibrating in harmony to that love they're feeling inside their body. It's like if you have two pianos in the same room and you hit the middle C, the other middle C will vibrate. It's it's on the same frequency. It's a similar vibration. So you can't feel other people's feelings, but you can feel your feelings vibrating when they're feeling their feelings. And that's what it is. So to whatever extent you love yourself, that's how much love you can let vibrate inside of yourself. So if somebody loves you like on a one to 10, they love you an eight, but you only love yourself like a three. You're only going to like feel three worth of love. You can't feel all the love that they're sending you because you don't have that much love inside of yourself to allow to vibrate. Said really simply, emotions are not done to us. They are evoked from us. And that includes love. Now, love is a very special emotion. In fact, In many ways, you can think of it as a whole set of emotions. We can call all negative emotions fear or fear-based or rooted in confusion and what we don't understand. And then all so-called positive feelings would be love-based and have a relationship 
to things we do understand. That's a very important concept, that fear basically is fear of the unknown, and confusion is unknown, and that feels like fear to people. And so we experience that in a negative way. And love is a feeling of understanding. It's a feeling of, I get it. I feel it's safe. I know it. It presents no danger to me. It's something I understand. So love and understanding go together. Fear and ignorance go together. And once you put understanding into the ignorance, the fear converts itself into love. So one of the names of love, we're going to name a lot of names of love in the show. One of the names of love is feeling safe, is feeling security, is, which means self-care. It means feeling like I'm in a place where I'm not endangered and I am absolutely 100% <sighs> safe. So any attempt to define love really has to begin with personal responsibility for the love in our lives. It really means that when we put our attention on what we call giving love, that would be radiating or emanating or sharing your love, that's an expression of who you are. Not only do others benefit, and you, of course, enjoy whatever is reflected in their enjoyment of your generous love and kindness and thoughtfulness, But there is something directly that we do for ourselves when we give love, when we allow ourselves to love. Basically, what we're doing is letting go of fear. It's funny how much of fear we even call love. For example, don't leave me. Don't go. I I couldn't live without you. I've got to have you. Don't you see how much I love you? Please don't go. Someone might say, wow, a lot of love there. I would say, no, a lot of fear there, a fear of losing love. If it were real love, there'd be no fear at all. It'd be, well, I'll I'll, I'll miss you, you know, be sure and write, but can I give you a few hundred bucks and take you to the airport? It's whatever is best for you is what I want for you if I love you. I mean, if, if it's true love, it's not selfish. And that's another one of those wonderful aspects of love is, is it's generous. It's caring and giving. It's empathetic. It's compassionate. It, it cares for other people besides just yourself. If you're talking about the kind of love that you're just feeling for yourself, that egoism, that conceit, that arrogance, that's not really love. I mean, when you say, oh, he really loves himself a whole lot. He keeps talking about how great he is. Well, that's not really love either. That's that's a fear of not being all those things and overcompensating by using the ego to look good, you know, and being conceited. But real love, I think real love is, is feeling safe and it's being generous and it's sharing whatever it is that you have with other people. And it's feeling compassion for those people who are in places that are not as good as the one you're in. I think we also need a little acknowledgement to the ancient Greeks in our Western civilization for their contribution, the three basic kinds of love that the old Greeks would talk about. Starts with, I guess in no particular order, but it occurs to me that the ultimate is what's called agape, often defined as loving your neighbor or love thy neighbor as thyself, but understood esoterically as the reason you love your neighbor is that you recognize yourself in your neighbor. You know your neighbor is in you because, drumroll trumpet fanfare, you and your neighbor are reflections of this one divine thing. 
So that's agape, to see yourself and others and God in all things. And then there's the more direct eros they talked about, which is the romantic love. The, generally speaking, the physical attraction, the chemistry that goes with it, the, the lusty the stuff, lusty stuff the sex, uh, you know, all that stuff is the eros kind of love. I always remembered it because of uh, Cupid's arrows, you know, eros, uh, it's, <laughs> E-R-O-S. And then there's the other kind of love that isn't like romantic and it isn't like the divine love, but you have it for your children or for your first best friend, first cousin, or your nieces and nephews. It's love without lust, without any romantic, without any sexual thought at all, but it's clearly love that we have for our family. And and pets, I don't know if that falls into that same category or it's a separate category, but that's real love. Yeah, that's philos. That's uh, You could love your family that way, your parents and your cousins and your aunts and your uncles and, and of course your friends. I guess simply philos is friendship. Yeah, it doesn't have any of the sexual overtones. It doesn't stimulate us or vibrate us in the same way at all. And so these were the early attempts, as we say in Western civilization anyway, to understand love as the ultimate agape, divine love, as eros and then philos, the friendship. I think we also have to talk, Steve, about what I think of as a couple of primary qualities of love, especially in relationship, which is uh, trust and respect. I think we have to, as you've already said, have self-love in order to love others, but don't we also have to have self-respect and some self-trust in order to respect and trust other people? Indeed, you do. And if you can't both love, trust, and respect another person, you really can't have what I would call a great relationship, or at least a high-quality relationship. It's not like any two of the three will work. You need all three of those to really make it work. And and what's the difference? I mean, well, love, love is this feeling that you have of wanting to be with, the chemistry, the attraction, the, the acknowledgement of mutual interests, all those wonderful things. The trust basically is, I feel safe with you. I, I can turn my back and know that you're not doing anything behind it that is going to be detrimental to me. I don't have to be on alert all the time. I don't have to think about it. I can feel settled that you are safe with me. And the respect, well, it seems to me, this may not be true for everyone, but I think it's pretty true for most people that they want to be with somebody they look up to, not down at, you know, not even directly across at. Like, I want somebody I can put a little bit of what they do is something I think is worthy. What they do, the effect they have in the world is something that I admire. People want to admire their mate. And admire, I think, is to, in a way, put them in a place of more respect than you put most people in. You want your mate to be someone you have more respect for than generally you have for people. But again, in order to gauge that, to know where it stands relative to some other level of trust, you've got to experience it in yourself. Yeah. I mean, if I don't trust myself, then I don't believe other people are going to be trustworthy. It would be the way I think, you know. The more I trust myself, the more I'm willing to consider that, hey, other people might be trustworthy as well. I've heard people talk about how they got their self-confidence from other people. And I said, well, then it wouldn't be self-confidence, would it? I mean, what did you do? Put yourself up for a vote, and when you got enough acceptance and enough approval, then you began to call it self-confidence or self-esteem? 
I think you're working the equation backwards. I think each of us has a primary responsibility to find out, hey, what about me is trustworthy? What about me and and my behavior and the way I am in the world is deserving of respect? And uh, by the way, while we're at it, what about me is so damn lovable anyway, right? Wouldn't our relationships work better and generally be smoother if we understood ourselves more and recognized, though it ought to seem obvious when you look at the word, that self-love, self-trust, self-respect, self-confidence, self-esteem cannot come from other people. No, but it can be mirrored by other people, and that's the magic of a great relationship. Like, nobody else can give you your self-esteem, but they can show you your self-esteem back at you. They can reflect the self-esteem you're experiencing back at you, and that's, that's again, one of the great magic parts of any given relationship. Though, again, it takes one to know one. It does. Only to whatever extent they have (laughs) their self-esteem in order. Right. That's that's true, too. So, So we're talking about are these three foundational tools for a great relationship uh, the the love meaning the eros kind of love the the uh, romantic kind of love the trust the feeling safe with the knowing this person is on your side and is out for your best interests and the respect that you admire them that you look up to them and uh, appreciate who they are and have gratitude that they're here and doing what they're doing in the world that I think is is a, a clear foundation for a great relationship, but love has many applications beyond having that strong foundation. Because then within the relationship, you can share lots and lots of things. Like for example, you can share beauty, you can share uh, gifts that provide like art or jewelry or or music or things that make them feel wonderful because you appreciate the same kind of things they appreciate. Love can be presented in in a poem. Love can be presented in a, in a a picture. Love can be presented in, in a trip to nature. Love can be presented in so many wonderful, wonderful ways. Well, let's talk about some. You just mentioned beauty in art, in nature, in music, for example, one of my favorites, I know one of yours too, there's something absolutely celestial about music, and art can be transcendental as well. Beauty is clearly a quality of love. Another one, and I guess at this point it's like in no particular order, let's just take them as they come, one of my favorites that I discovered surprisingly late in life self-judgment now, but surprisingly late in life for me, in retrospect, is kindness. Nobody ever really taught me kindness. Nobody really said that (laughs) by being kind, you would personally benefit directly, let alone the kind of relationship you're building. But just even being kind to a stranger, one you know you'll never see again, has immediate benefits that... um, I think requires, we know it's love because it requires that you feel safe to be kind to somebody. I remember a discussion with a bunch of my students when I was living in Los Angeles about dealing with street people. And a common experience was for the people to say, well, sometimes I have great compassion. There's another quality of love for the street person, but at other times I find them really scary, and so I'm afraid to approach them. And I, I'm not sure how to reconcile that. 
And what the group decided after a nice discussion was trust your feelings. Like, depends on the situation. This guy may be all glassy-eyed and wired on, on huffing paint or glue or something and may not be safe to approach. But if, on the other hand, your feelings are feelings of compassion and you want to approach and offer assistance or help or sympathy or whatever, then trust that feeling. We're pretty sensitive critters. And love is something that, as you say, we can feel sympathetically, like those two piano notes you talked about. There are so many manifestations of love between human beings, but you know, even beyond the human-to-human -human love, one of the great manifestations in my life has always been the one, I guess you'd call it interest, uh, fascination, um, wonder, awe, curiosity, the, the desire to know, to learn, to grow, to get more information and understand that information, that, that love for knowledge, uh, that love for, for becoming and evolving and awakening and, and that, that kind of uh, interest is, I, I guess, the umbrella word for it. But whatever it is that causes me to be fascinated and, and to, boy, I sure love that subject, whatever causes me to experience that, that's one of my very favorite forms of love. You've always called that interest, especially given the accelerated learning work that you focus on. I think of the same thing as motivation. To me, it comes mostly in my own way of thinking and feeling from always wondering why, even if just about me. Hey, Michael, why do you care? Uh, that's a great introspective tool I use. Why, why does it matter to you, Michael? Right? Why do you think that's important? Do you think it would matter or should matter as much to other people? But to ask that question why, a big part of my identity, I think, can be discovered through motive or interest. In other words, what do I love, right? What do I love? What do I care about? What am I interested in? Yeah, I think more important than what do I know to describe who I am is what do I love? What do I care about? What matters to me and my heart? You know, what's my heart desire? And I think that's, you know, one, another wonderful manifestations of love. It, it manifests itself as intelligence. It, it manifests itself as passion. And it manifests itself as healing of the body. That's another wonderful manifestation of love. The way the body heals itself is an expression of love. Love has got so many names. In, in um, India, I guess, Kundalini or Prana, China, Chi, Japan, Ki, French, Ilan, Vital, Hindi, Ru, Hebrew, Ruach. New Orleans mojo, you know, there are lots of names for the life force, the energy that animates us. That's, that's another name for love. I think God, myself, I think God is sort of another name for love, too. I think the, the, all the energy in the universe that isn't fear, all, all the light that isn't shadow, all the good that isn't evil, all that stuff, that's all, that's all the universe. So that's love. That's, to me, that's, that's the big L, love. And the love we can have of being part of that, the feeling of being not separated, but rather uh, the unity and the diversity of all of this and, and the, the connectedness feeling and the place where the higher self doesn't feel like disjointed, disconnected, separated from the whole, but it feels as part of one part of this whole big, huge thing. To me, that's a, a wonderful kind of feeling of love. There's a great Tolstoy quote about love being basically the only thing that is that everything I understand, everything I know, everything that exists, everything that's real, everything that is true and good and beautiful is love. And 
again, that's a real interesting, um, dare say, mystical concept. But it is in the mythology of every culture in the world that there is something divine about love. That, as you say, God is love. That's not just a Christian idea. That's in Kabbalah and the Torah, and it's certainly in the uh, Quran, and it's in the Gita, and it's in the sutras, and and uh, secular philosophy as well. The idea of love being, again, I, I think of it more as a force or an electromagnetic field, maybe nothing less than the unified field that scientists are looking for now, that we're getting close to with quantum mechanics and the observer effect and string theory and such. The love, whole, love as consciousness, essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's the unified field that allows everything else to make sense. That love as consciousness is this uh, underpinning, this like etheric network, this framework or structure upon which the physical universe hangs. So that if love is all there is and that fear is the illusion and when we understand or or bring light into the darkness we'll become enlightened we understand that love is all there is love is what is so part a part of what you could call the experience of love is being here now ramdas used to talk about the concept of be here now as as a, a idea of there is no love in the past, and there is no love in the future because neither of those places actually really exist. The only place that exists is right here, right now, so the only time you can actually feel the love that's real in the universe is if you are here in this love of this universe right now. And so worry takes us away from love and remorse and regret and and negative memories take us away from love. Anything that puts us into a future that doesn't feel good or back into a past that felt bad takes us away from this experience of love. Not to say there isn't great value in visiting those places, learning from them, healing them, and moving on. We we can't just ignore those places. It's living there. It's dwelling in the places that have no love in them that causes such pain in people's lives. If you dwell in a future of worry or dwell in a past of regret, then you're living in a world that doesn't have any love in it, like the past or the future. doesn't make any sense. Paul McCartney wrote a song that went... uh, I don't care what they say, I won't stay in a world without love. One of those early, early uh, songs that the Beatles never recorded, but somebody else did. And it was it was one of those concepts that resonated with me. Yeah, I don't want to live in a world that doesn't have any love in it. That, that's why I'm here. That's the most wonderful thing there is. Funny thing is, if love is the unified field theory and everywhere equally present, then there could not be a world without love, but we can make it seem that way. And that's the role of fear in our lives. You see, just as love is letting go, nothing to hold on to because it's everywhere equally present, fear is holding on. And holding on creates all kinds of problems. Holding on creates physical tension and stress, anxiety, can promote illness and disease. And in that sense, I'm glad you mentioned the word healing. Because I think we should say love is healing also. Love is definitely healing. There's countless studies that show that an attitude of love and kindness and a will to live, certainly, so that you can love even more, 
definitely makes a difference and, and promotes healing. So-called spiritual healing is the healing of love. And so only with fear, only with a negative attitude that focuses on things that you do not want and counsels and entertains the shadows of what-ifs and maybes and ultimately I really don't know, that's what fear is, ignorance, only that could create an appearance, I would argue, of a world without love. Yeah, this world is full of love. It's the worlds that don't exist that are devoid of love. And, and yet, even though they don't exist, people do live in them. You know, people build castles in the sky and live in those castles. People live in the world of a worrisome future, spending most of their time not here, not now. And, you know, the love's not available out there in this worrisome future. So it's learning how to be here now. That's a big part of it. And, and love as healing in the body, I think that's a wonderful name for it. You know, so if that's the case, then the, the things that stop love are tension, uh, physical tension stops love, and also making the body work harder than it's supposed to work by ingesting chemicals it doesn't want or eating bad food or not getting enough exercise and sitting and not moving enough. All those things cause the body's love to be challenged. But the love of healing works perfectly if you give it all these other things it needs, which is like nutrition and exercise and uh, movement and all kinds of good stuff, then the healing can really take place. Through the physical body, a good name for love is healing. Through the emotional part of the being, a good name for love is safe or feeling calm or relaxed. And through the mind, I think a good name for love is clarity or awareness. I mean, clearly confusion is not love and anxiety is not love and tension is not love. They are the things that block the love. So by releasing tension, releasing anxiety, releasing confusion, we allow the love to flow through. The coolest thing is you don't have to go looking for love. It's, as you said, it's like a fish looking for water. There's, it's always there. Everywhere you look, there's the water. Everywhere you look, there's the love. Everywhere you look, that's the key, though, because if you don't look, you don't see. So we can easily be surrounded by love and not see it. We can easily be in a room with 20 of our relatives who are loving us and admiring us and not feeling any of that at all or feeling all of that at the same time. You know, it's us. It's not them. They could be loving us, but we don't feel lovable. We don't feel loved, and therefore we're not loving ourselves. We don't let any of that stuff in. So it comes down to us. And remember the, the three basic qualities we talked about being loved, feeling like I am loved, feeling loving, you know, I'm loving someone else and I'm feeling lovable. I, I qualify. I, I deserve to be loved. Those, those are all wonderful different aspects of this feeling loved. In a really general sense, one thing we all tend to do that really creates fear and therefore blocks or inhibits love in our lives is see ourselves as targets or victims of a life that's being done to us. Now, it's not that that's not true. It's just incomplete. Life, in fact, is a two-way street. And there is that which is done to you, and that can be scary. But primary to that is what you do with what's done to you and, of course, what you initiate. Like sometimes in the chicken or the egg, you don't know, is this a response or am I initiating? Well, initiate the response, and you're always in charge of a life that first is given or emanated and then received. That's a much more loving place to be than a life that's done to you and you fight against it. 
That will always create fear, and so many of the symptoms of fear are born of that kind of myopic worldview. It's promoted by advertising. It's promoted by politicians and other leaders who want you to feel powerless, and they will use fear to exploit you in such a way that they can then promote you need us, or the government will take care of you, or we're the corporation, or we're the union boss, or whatever the institution, there is an authority that is going to probably use a lot of fear to reinforce this idea that you're the helpless victim, that you're the target, that life is done to you, and now you have to look out there in that world for love, you see. It's all a big distraction. Take a breath, relax, and remind yourself that life is the sum of the choices you make, that we may not be able to control everything that's done to us. In fact, sometimes it seems like we don't have much control or influence over very much of anything that happens to us. But where we do have control is initiating a response. And even the perception, actually, if you want to be a little more detailed, our control is found in the way we look at and the way we respond to situations. You can initiate responsibility. Look at the word. The ability to choose a response. You've always got that power. And that brings you right back into the love, into the awareness that I'm creating my life. Give up that victimization. You're not getting much payoff or payback from that. We've all tried it. You'll get a little bit of sympathy maybe, but in the long run... I think you'd be much happier. So if you're interested in having more love in your life, what you really need to understand is you have exactly as much as you can handle because it's all around you. You're just not letting any more in. The way to have more love in your life is to have less fear in your life. You've got to make room. You've got to get the fear out of the way. So how do you remove the fear from your life? Well, one of the easiest ways, I think, is to just become a little less attached, a little less needy of judgment of control and of approval. Just a little less judgmental of things, you know, like it doesn't really matter that much what you think about everything, and a little less needing to let things happen the way they happen. You don't have to have your hands in every single thing, and a little less need for what other people think about you. Remove some of the fear by just letting your ego not have to work so hard. Uh, to, it doesn't matter that much what other people think. It doesn't. It still matters. It just matters a little less. You want some control. You just don't need as much as you used to need. You you still want to be discerning. You just don't have to be quite so judgmental. And by doing that, removing some of the need for those things, <sighs> much of the fear dissipates. And there's more room for the love to come in. Once the fear goes away, the only thing that can happen is that love's going to flow in to replace it. That's the only option. So once the fear is released, the body knows when fear is released. It's when breathing is deep and slow. The body knows when fear is in town, when the breathing is shallow and very quick or even held. So the body and the brain have ways of determining whether the fear is being released or being held on to. You need to find a way to let go of the fear. And by letting go of the fear, you make more room for the love to flow in. Any program that talks about the qualities of love, the different ways love can express itself or manifest in the world, 
has to include some conversation about compassion, mercy, uh, empathy, forgiveness. Well, let's just talk about forgiveness, first of all. Notice how common this is. Well, I'd forgive them if they apologize to me first. Okay, so who sees that as giving their power away? Not very many people. In fact, that's what you do when you say, well, if they apologize, then I'll apologize, or I'll give up my grudge when they do. I mean, the whole idea of carrying a grudge is I'm going to continue to hurt to prove a point to you. It, on the surface, it's an absurd concept, and yet it's so popular and so common. And why, after all, is it so difficult to humble oneself and apologize in the first place? Or even to realize that if you, through a meditation, a contemplation, or introspection, could arrive at an understanding of your emotional feelings that would allow you to feel peace again and a level of understanding that would provide forgiveness, I think it'd be a whole lot easier. But just as we need other people to love us, we need other people to forgive us, we need other people to make sure we don't encounter any negative feeling, we're holding others responsible for our feelings. And of course, along with that goes the idea then that you would be responsible for how they feel and it's a bargain we make that we can never fulfill. It's technically called codependence. It's like, I'll own your feelings if you own mine. I'll be... <laughs> it's absurd on the surface, and yet what could be more common and more popular? And inevitably, then, you're disappointed and even angry that this person is not doing what they promised. Like, you said you'd love me forever, and I don't feel loved. Well, is it their fault that you don't feel loved? Maybe they're loving you as much or more than ever, but you're just not feeling loved, and yet we project that on other people. The qualities of love in every respect, and I think it's a little harder to see here in the area of forgiveness, but it's all about personal responsibility. Forgive yourself, and it'll be a lot easier to forgive other people. If you take a look at that uh, he who apologizes first loses concept, you can see that it's fraught with fear, not love. That, first of all, it's control. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold out until they apologize first. It's judgment. It's like the judgment that it'd be worse to apologize first. And it's the need to be approved of. I, if I apologize first, they'll think that they won. They'll think I'm a loser. It's all of those things. It's, so it's clearly all about fear. It's not about love. To say, to apologize first to yourself, to forgive yourself, and then go ahead and forgive the other person if you want to, uh, even in your own heart or in your own mind, whether you do it in person with them is not significant particularly. It might be some cases more than others, but the most significant is inside yourself by by being the first to give the forgiveness by being the first to befriend yourself in that way, then you allow the love to come in. The love will quickly heal all that fear as soon as you let the fear have an opportunity to be released. And then compassion, you know, the argument could be made by the person steeped in logic. Why in the world would I want to empathize with those who suffer? My, my life is about getting away from suffering, and I just as soon not be reminded 
of the gross injustices in the world, of the of the war, of the hunger, of the starvation, of the cruelty of of man's inhumanity to man. And if I'm going to work to develop compassion, then I'm going to have to face all of that. So what benefit is there for me, for the world, in that? Well, it's simple. It connects us. It allows us to feel a quality of love as not only harmony, but even beyond harmony, to real unity. You begin to experience humanity as your family. And that's a nice big family to have. It means wherever you go, there's family there waiting for you. Uh, you can fall in love with other people without judging them. As Steve was saying, why do you have? What's with the judgment and the control and the approval? Why not just learn to accept people as they are, to accept circumstances and events as they are, not as an ending. This is not about, and then you throw in the towel and give up. It's acceptance as a place to begin. This is a kind of person, I accept them for who they are, and, you know, I choose not to really hang around with this person, actually. We can be discerning, like Steve said, without being discriminating. I mean, you may not want the known pedophile to babysit your kids, but that doesn't mean you're being excessively judgmental or not a loving person. You can still be compassionate and loving, see a pedophile as one who needs watching, but after all, maybe they were a victim too. Turns out that's often the case. There's plenty of understanding to go around when we begin to love humanity exactly as it is and see that as a place to begin. Without the judgment, without the conditions, that's what connects you. And it's a little scary, so the fear will prevent that. But if you really aspire to love, and want as much fulfillment and radiance as you can possibly find, you have to include the difficult stuff, not just the warm fuzzies, but you have to love humanity in spite of its vagarities, its injustices, its, its cruelty, the suffering that we impose on each other unnecessarily. you got to face that to understand it, and actually then lift it from fear to love, from ignorance to understanding. Yeah, all it takes for evil to win is for good people to do nothing. I mean, we can't just turn away from it and pretend it doesn't exist. But we can have compassion rather than antipathy. We can have empathy rather than antipathy. We can, we can feel and understand that this is something that is broken. This is something that is diseased. There's something wrong going here. And we can feel compassion for the problem they're in. That doesn't mean, as you said, that you hire them to be your babysitter. You can feel compassion and compassion for all of humankind, regardless of the conditions that they're in. Because... We are all of humankind. We are all part of that same thing. And, and feeling that expansion of yourself into being part of this bigger, huger thing expands the love within you. I mean, one of the key to understanding love is that love includes all of that stuff, not just the good stuff, as Michael said, not just the warm fuzzies, all that stuff. Everything in, in the world that isn't fear-based is love-based. And that includes some things we, we go through that are difficult in our lives. Growing hurts sometimes, but it's still part of the love process. If, as, if we're growing it's part of the love. If we're succeeding, it's part of the love. If we're becoming fulfilled, it's all part of the love. It, it, it's easy to know that love exists because all we need to do is step back, take that 
step out of being involved in it for the moment, take a deep breath, take a step back, look at it from a higher perspective, that, that bigger picture, that, that seeing the gestalt, the whole enchilada thing. And from that point of view, we can see if there's love there or if there's fear there. We don't have to be in it. We have the ability, we amazing human beings, to step back and look at this whole thing we're doing and saying, is, is Steve feeling love right now or is Steve feeling fear right now? Oh, look at that. Steve feeling fear right now. It's, it's not like we have no option to explore to see if the love is there or the fear is there. It's easy. It just takes the consciousness, the awareness, the, the desire to take a step back and see it from a bigger picture. Certainly one of the most loving things that you can do for yourself, the true self, the higher self that we go to paradise to find is to go to paradise to find it. I mean, use that alpha brainwave level. Let's do a meditation. Find a loving place between awake and asleep where our attention is focused on love, focused passion. You've been there before. We do it in every one of these weekly programs. Let's do it again. Close your eyes. Get comfortable if this is a good time for you now. And get balanced. Shoulders back, open up your rib cage, maybe a shoulder shrug or two, and some head rolls, and just begin to breathe. Take a nice, slow, deep breath, and exhale just as slowly. And do this two or three times now at your own pace, pulling in strength and power as you inhale. And as you exhale a moment later, ah, feel the letting go, feeling safe and relaxed. And come with us on an audio journey into a place that we call love. A place where fear seems to just fade away and whatever it is that rises above, that's where we'll focus. That's where we'll go. That's where we join this wonderful flow and we feel the love within. A great place to begin is in the heart. A wonderful place to start. So feel the love inside your heart emanating deep. Feel the love from that special place inside your heart you keep. All your wonderfulest memories and greatest fantasies, too, and the things that mean the very, very most, the most to you. Feel the love. Release the fear. Let confusion go and become real clear. Tension replaced by relaxation, sensations, feeling very safe. And the love grows, and the heart knows how to let that love grow even more. Trusting your first impression. Allow yourself to think of an individual that you love. It's likely a person it could be a romantic love, or it could be a loyalty 
a dedication, some sort of commitment. It might even be the love that you have for a pet, like a dog or a kitty. But trust your first impression and experience yourself from the heart radiating effortlessly, emanating love in the direction of this individual. Feel the love inside you emanating out toward that individual and feel that love. And now, imagine something a little larger that you love, like a group of people, perhaps your family or your closest friends, a group that you're part of, a group that your heart's into, a group that you believe is a part of you, an extension of you. Imagine a group of people, family or friends, that you love. And send that love in a wider arc out to each and all of those individuals, part of that wonderful group, that wonderful group that you love. And as your love radiates effortlessly out into the world, imagine it enfolding, including and embracing an even larger group, a community. In fact, look at the word community coming together with unity and feel that unity. Now, there's diversity in the community. Some people you may love more than others. Some you may admire more than others. But if you're willing to respect all individuals for their humanity and acknowledge their right to dignity, then whether you like them or not, you can love everyone in that community. Imagine your love embracing the community around you. And feel yourself radiating that love. And now, expand again and imagine something larger that you love. Like the community of humanity. All of humankind. Feel a compassion, feel a love for your brothers and sisters of heart and mind. All of humanity, in all its great diversity, comes together in a unity in your love. Love for every single person, every woman, every man, every child alive in the world. Feel that love expanding, circling the planet Earth. And now, as if your love knew no bounds at all, imagine loving the cosmos, the entire universe, to the exclusion of no one and no thing an embrace of all that is, and then some, even that so transcendent you couldn't even imagine it. 
but in its magnificence, you're willing to allow yourself to love without limitation. All of the galaxies, the nebula, the star clusters, the intergalactic gases, the atmosphere of Mother Earth, the rocks and the minerals, the rivers and the lakes. Feel that love radiating out to all kingdoms throughout the universe. And here we are, each standing in the center of our own radiance of love, going out in every direction to the entire universe. Feel that energy of love radiating out from you in every possible way to every place, every person, everything. Feel that and feel the joy it brings. And now, because cause will always have effect and the laws of karma tell that what one gives is what one gets, and in the future the past will dwell. What you put out is going to return. It'll all come back to you. So standing there in the center now, allow that process through. Imagine the universe, the entire universe, loving you. Because what comes from the heart reaches the heart and returns to the heart. For ultimately, love is everywhere equally present. And your willingness to love without condition or at least make an attempt and approach and not give up even when it's difficult. Learning again and again to love without condition. You experience that love without condition, the love that's everywhere equally present, as well as the love that is directed toward you from your community as they recognize your service, your willingness to volunteer, to care about the schools and public services to work for volunteer organizations and service clubs in the community. Feel now the gentle warmth, the safety, and the peace of being loved by your community. And as we each stand here in the center of this radiance of love, know that everyone else who is feeling love for their fellow human being. You get some of that. That's part of yours. Right now, there are billions who are feeling love for humanity. And you are part of all of that. Feel the radiance of all the human beings who are feeling that love coming to you. Filling you. Thrilling you making you feel so clear of anything that resembles fear. 
So feel the love. So feel the love. Allow it to swirl throughout your body. Just give it a whirl. Just feel the love. Feel lovable. And so that love that comes in, this marvelous flow, feel the love. And let it fill you. Let it thrill you. Let it grow. Much as you feel the love from that special individual, whether it's your pet, your dog, or your cat, or more likely, a romantic partner, should you be so lucky as to have that type of truly spiritual bond, not not only romantic, but beyond that, a, a spiritual bond where you feel the way each fulfills the other and creates a merging and a harmony and moves you toward the completeness that you've already experienced. And so you know no separation between the one and the many, no separation between the giving and the receiving of love. Only the ocean, the one love, the only love, love in totality. And so as you stand, as we each do, in the center of our love, it becomes clear what's so true, that all love flows through your own love for you, And as your love for you does increase, you make less room for any fear. And all the fear thoughts start to cease. So love yourself. Feel that love. And with that feeling, rise above all the fear. And with that feeling, that's what you want to bring back when you come back here. So, time to return, get aware of where you are, and uh, fill your lungs with a good deep breath, (sighs) and as it feels comfortable for you, open your eyes and bring yourself back to Wide Awake. Well, this program's run a little longer than we usually go, but uh, it's a big topic, and to cover as much as we have in a single hour, I think is pretty remarkable. It is a universally huge topic, and... Again, maybe Tolstoy's right. Maybe ultimately love is the only topic. Or at least all you need is love. And there's always more that we can understand about it. It's a never-ending, unfolding font. You could obsess on nothing else in your life and never be bored and never be disappointed. Love is a font that just continues to reveal itself in ever more beautiful ways. Hey, thanks a lot for being with us. Join us every week when you can. And remember to use that Send One to a Friend gadget. I'd like to remind you to do that so you visit the website. There's always new, exciting features at FocusedPassion.com. It'll help you remember your password if you go there every once in a while. Remember that ED after the W's. It's FocusedPassion.com. 
Yeah, and uh, you've got lots of uh, programs you probably haven't heard yet. There's about 130 of them now in the archives, so go check the Unpurchased Podcasts button and see if there's some topic in there that might just help you right now with uh, a need you might have to solve a problem or to heal your heart. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. For Steve Snyder, this is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui.